Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good afternoon, Arsenal fans, and welcome to our latest 49 Undefeated uh, Full the London Arsenal podcast. No Charlie Watts today. He was... Um, at London Colney earlier, speaking to Arsene Wenger, which we'll come on to that shortly. Plenty to discuss around this morning's very interesting press conference. But uh, we've got Andy Ha with us. Uh, so good afternoon to you, Andy. Good afternoon, Tom. All right. And we've got Kevin Byrne, freshly, freshly, I was going to say freshly refreshed, which makes no sense whatsoever. So I'm <laughs> going to just say you're back from Dublin. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good. Good. I, Glad- feel, I feel freshly refreshed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you feel freshly refreshed. Um, I, I've lost my mind already <laughs> and we're 41 seconds in. Um, we'll start with Sunday and what was... I mean, it, it's. I think Ch- Charlie kind of hit the nail on the head in his preview for tomorrow's game at Southampton, which, which we'll come on to as well. Um, in the, It just feels at the moment like the win against City and the momentum that was built from the, the wins against Middlesbrough and then Leicester... And all of a sudden, Arsenal fans feeling good again. Then they go and lose in pretty embarrassing circumstances in the North London derby and no St. Totteringham's Day this season. And then they go and beat United. And Wenger gets his first ever win in the league over Mourinho. And yeah. like all of a sudden, you've got this bizarre kind of... It's just fluctuating at the moment. Arsenal fans' emotions, they kind of don't know where they stand. But Sunday was significant for for both our result at the Emirates and Liverpool's result against Southampton too. Yeah, Sunday was great. Um, it just feels like that Tottenham result was the only sort of blip in in sort of a run of okay results. I think since he switched to the back three, we've we've done okay. We hasn't really convinced, I'd say. We haven't been like Chelsea three four three at the beginning of the season or whatever. But I don't know. It seems that we we, we, keep, we seem to be grinding out results when we need to at the moment. It's just like I say that that little blip of the Spurs result. Um, but the yeah the, the City win was nice and. If we can follow up with back-to-back victories, I know we'll get onto that. But if we can follow up with a couple more victories before the weekend. Then you know, I think we might be in, we might be we might do the, the impossible and actually qualify for the top four, which looked out of reach a couple of weeks ago. Do you think we can do it, Kev? Uh, I do not, and I really wouldn't read too much into a win over the Manchester United reserve team because <laughs> who is playing right back for them? Axel Tunze, and it, ironically, he was probably their best player, yeah. I'd say. He I mean, right, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. but just like, it, I was watching yeah. the, the highlights of Match of the Day, and they had the team set up of all the players, and you could see his picture was <laughs> like a different shade of colour to the rest of them, because they clearly had to scramble <laughs> to get a picture of him. Like, yeah, you know as you play when I Photoshop his yeah. head onto someone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so like, I mean, Marine, yeah. he, he, Wenger has his win over Mourinho in the league, but... It was almost like Mourinho's <laughs> comments after the game. Ironically, he said, I think he said, I, uh, Arsenal fans leave the Emirates happy. For the first time ever, even though he hasn't won again. He, he's, ne- he's never won a league game. He's won one League Cup game and his teams in the league have only scored one goal. So that was a bizarre comment all in all. But anyway. But yeah, it was, it's the reserves of a bad Man United team. And I don't, I don't care that they were 25 unbeaten before that. 
they are not a very good team. I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it's going to be a massive few days because you, you look at Arsenal's remaining four fixtures. They've got, for, for me, Man City are shooing for third. I, I think they will finish third. They've got uh, Leicester, Watford and... It's West yeah, Brom, I think. Yeah. Yes, they've got West Brom as well. Yeah. Uh, we've got Southampton away tomorrow night, which is, which is massive. If we win that... Stoke City away on the Saturday night. Liverpool don't play again until this, until Sunday. So they have had a full week, which kind of possibly a hindrance to Arsenal given the fi- fixture schedule they've had. But if they could win by hook or by crook at Southampton and Stoke, that all of a sudden, these two games in hand they've got on Liverpool, all of a sudden puts a lot of pressure on Liverpool going to West Ham, which is their most difficult fixture yeah. of the two they have remaining. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we could, like you said, would be... A point behind them is, is that right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there might be a bit of sort of table pressure on them, and we know how they played against sort of the the mid table to lower teams this season. But um, you know, it, it, we've got to do our jobs first. That's the most important thing. And like you say, two tricky away games against opponents where we've not had good results against in, in previous years. But I don't know. I don't know whether maybe the pressure's just off now. Maybe like the Arsenal players will just think, well, it doesn't look like we're going to get top four anyway. So maybe. The hand breaks off, like Wenger likes to say, and maybe they're going to surprise so us. I mean, it's happened so many yeah, times before. Yeah, I mean, you know, Southampton and, and Stoke haven't exactly got anything to play for either. So, if, if we, t- you know, we've got a quite a fully fit squad to choose from now. So, if we go there and, and play well, I, I think we can we can come away with two wins. But and I, I know it's a big if, and I think Kev's itching to say <laughs> it's a big if. Kev's, Kev, but I, I if, yeah. If, do you know what? I'm quietly confident. I, I think we can we can go we can make it to Sunday and be a point behind Liverpool. Wenger's done it again, Kev. He's lured <laughs> me and Andy into his little trap yeah. and said, we're, we're getting the top four and I'm going to remain here regardless of what happens and I will deliver Champions League football again. I I, I, know, I know that you want to bring us crashing back down to I made a promise to myself at the start of the year that I would look after my mental health. <laughs> <laughs> And I am not allowing myself to believe that this is going to work out. I'm just not. Do you... Cause, was, sorry, you look at the games that we've had since we moved to the back three. I I mean, I, I'm not convinced by any of them. Even the, the win over City. I know, you're the, right, you're right. The, I, mean, the, I mean, the City game, if Gabriel <laughs> doesn't annihilate David Silver in the first ten minutes or so, different yeah. game altogether. I mean, we, we yeah. rode our luck massively in that game. And if Sterling's cross wasn't ruled... Had that yeah. had gone out, even though it hadn't. Sane's to Aguero yeah, yeah. and then Sterling yeah. put it in, yeah. And they missed a few sitters in the second half as well. Absolutely. The, but look, the, it's, uh, well, the Leicester game as well. The Leicester game at home midweek. The thing Jesus. I was going to ask oh, that was lucky as well, yeah. The thing I was going to ask you, it was a really interesting discussion between Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher on Monday Night Football last night about <clears throat> Champions League and whether it's a bit of a myth, actually, that you require Champions League football to attract these top players. Now, there have been suggestions that Lacazette, and I, I know you're a, a huge fan of Lacazette, Kev. <laughs> this is Brackets uh, not to uh, people listening, because Kev most certainly is not an Alexandra Lacazette. I'm, I'm worried if anyone's listening to this podcast for the first time, they think that I'm just moaning about everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, if Arsenal don't get Champions League football, how do, how, how do, you, think, how do you think that impacts on the summer? We've... We believe that they're looking at keepers, centre halves, uh, left wing backs. Kalasanac looks like he will probably <coughs> arrive. Um, possibly a wide midfielder. 
um, a central midfielder and a forward. So there's plenty going on this summer. So a whole new team. Essentially, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think that Champions League football is that big a deal in terms of attracting people. If you, if you kind of plan and you make it look like we'll be back next season, I think players are willing to take that hit for one year if they think long-term that they can get it. Um, you saw Pogba go to United, Kante choose Chelsea over Arsenal. Uh, I think even when Hazard signed for Chelsea, I don't think they had Champions League football then. Um, I think they just won it, actually. Yeah. You, had, you had just... You know, you can't get these players in. You're going to have to overspend. And that's where my worry about Arsenal is. What about Sanchez and Ozil's futures as a, as a result of where Arsenal finish in the league this season? I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world to lose one of them because they both... I honestly think that their best position is the same position, kind of in behind the striker there. and In those two areas? I mean... I mean Someone I was going to come on to was Aaron Ramsey. In yeah. that, I I suggested pretty much that I thought one of those two positions off the striker might be useful, might be a good good way of getting the best out of Ramsey. He he was brilliant in central midfield the other day, but yeah, well, Ram- it- Ramsey's a funny player. And he's someone who I kind of stuck up for a lot uh, in his early years at Arsenal. And I kind of had said that he'll come good if he gets a bit of time and he gets a bit of run in the team. And then he had that brilliant season. Um. But if you go back and you look at that season where he was scoring all those goals and he was playing great, he actually wasn't really playing that differently to what he is now. I don't think he was really even particularly playing that well. He was just scoring, which kind of covered up a lot of his defensive deficiencies, which seems to be a problem with Arsenal midfielders, that if they're scoring, we suddenly think that they're doing everything well. It was an amazing purple patch, wasn't it? It seemed everything seemed to be going in off his head or Yeah, yeah. It was. Shots from thirty yards against Liverpool. I don't I don't mean to to dump all over that. No. It was great no, no. great run of form and I would love for him and to And of course to, you wouldn't want it. to sound like you moan about everything. No, but like <laughs> and Ramsey's someone who he's quite frustrating. He has a lot of talent. I just I just worry if he has kind of the mindset for it and he just doesn't play like a smart player. He, him and Gra- him and Granite Xhaka on Sunday though, it, it missing signs. They're signs. It, yeah, it still looks like it's a partnership which is in its infancy, and Arsenal probably require. They for me, they do require a new central midfielder this summer. The profile of which is probably yet to be determined. Obviously, Pablo Fornals at Malaga is someone they've been linked with. He's more technical player. Uh, Naby Keita at Leipzig is a more, bit more of a destroyer in the sort of Kante mould. But I thought Ramsey and Xhaka were again. Let's not read it too much into it. And the United were were dreadful. I thought Wayne Rooney was just so bad. It was scarcely believable. Um, well, well, he should have had two goals. But but that's it. I there was still as good a performance as it was. There were still flaws there that. Feel like uh, they need and, and Rob Holding's playing great. He's still a young guy, but I don't know. If, Jesus Christ! I will say uh, the the PC version of what I wanted to say. <laughs> that back pass. <laughs> I, do you know what? I've, I've been interested to see the reaction to that because don't get me wrong. I thought he was outstanding again, and we'll we'll come on to him now actually because there's been so much praise for him after the weekend. He's he, he just looks so much more mature than. Than you know where he should be. He looks yeah. looks at a 
a different stage of his development, a more advanced stage of his development than he should already be at. And that was the the one kind of blot on the copybook for me. And I've seen I've seen a lot of fans debating it, and some I think probably trying to stick up for him a bit too much by saying it was all Koscielny and Czech's fault. No, I think he he needed to look in that situation, just put the ball out, and that's what probably disappointed me slightly about that situation is what I love about him. And I was I I um if people haven't seen, I'm going to shamelessly plug uh, my exclusive chat with. Um, Bolton Wanderers during the week got in touch with David Lee the, the under 23s manager who, who um, coached Rob Holding for years Robert Holding Robert Holding yes he was very keen to stress that his name was Robert in his best Lancashire accent throughout the uh, the interview um, but what what was really interesting from what he told me was that holding education throughout the, his whole time at Bolton Wanderers was and this was what David Lee actually said to him, you are a defender. You head it, you kick it, and you make smart decisions. And, yeah. and that is, that's what he is. He is what City fans probably, and it's sticking the knife into John Stones again. But for me, John Stones is a defender who focuses on the more glamorous aspects of being a footballer and being a defender more than his primary responsibility of stopping strikers, whether that's with his head, yeah. with his feet, whatever it might be. Seen, I, I seen, think Holding's a real deal. I think he's got that. I think he's got all of that, but I think he can also play out from the back and play the passes into midfield, which Stones is you know so vaunted for. I think this is why I love Holding. I think the fact that he was schooled in the lower leagues, he can do all it. Like you say, he can, he can kick it, he can hit it, but to be part of a, a top team nowadays, you need to have that ability to play out from the back and pass it as well and, uh, yeah he's got a bit of everything isn't he he's been brilliant my, my worry is that he's going to turn into another Koscielny and Koscielny's a great player and he does a lot of great things but we've talked about this before where Koscielny will be rock solid for 89 minutes but there's one minute in the game where he'll just do what, the what? stupidest things that will make no sense League Cup against Birmingham sort of thing yeah, that can, like thanks. Uh, if we're going to go back to that, I think that Chesney's fault. <laughs> <laughs> but but just like he has, he will do these brilliant things. He'll chase someone down from forty yards, and he'll bust a gut doing it. But then, you know, the ball will come into the box, and he'll decide he wants to dribble it around around box for some reason. You know, he has these little brain farts. So I'm I'm just worried that holding will pick that up off him because that's exactly what I thought when I. When I saw that back pass happen, I just thought, oh my God, that's something Koscielny would do. Yeah. And I love Koscielny, but part of the reason why Arsenal are in the position that they are now is those kind of brain farts. And, well, and, 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 and I, I'm not, I don't think Koscielny's a fault for that back pass. He sh- mm. Should he be looking? Yeah, but Holding should never have made that pass in a million years. Well, I've got total, I'm sticking up for him here. I've got total faith in him. I think he's going to be great for England no, and I, for Arsenal I, I'm very impressed <laughs> with him already and he's he's still he's very that's, young that's what I was going to say I think I, I see I think the problem is that everyone decides everyone thinks that they have to say he's either the greatest defender ever made or he's an absolute fraud well there's the, Ro- the Roberto, truth lies somewhere in the there's middle. the Roberto yeah. Holdini moniker which he's picked up along the way already which is yeah. possibly premature but, but anyway and, and I just want Arsenal fans to kind of learn from our past mistakes of putting too much pressure on young players too soon absolutely and yeah. no, you're right. you would have thought that over the last 10-15 years we would have learned from that and we just haven't what I love about him is that and again this was something that, that um, David said to me which I, I just thought was incredible that he said 
the the speculation early 2016 I think it was the January window when there were sort of like the first mentions that Arsenal were interested in him had had scouts watching him um, for Bolton what what amazed me was that David actually felt that it worked the other way with holding in that rather than allowing that speculation to get to his head and make him think I've, I've already made it I'm better than Bolton I'm above this level I'm, I'm destined for the Premier League it actually worked the other way and made him think that's where I need to get to if clubs like that have an interest in me then I have to make sure 100% that I put myself into a position where I achieve that goal and that's what he did he said that yeah. his determination his focus and his application towards every part of his game improved tenfold because of those links to Arsenal I think that's what's been so impressive isn't it I think you can see it from the way he plays he doesn't allow the big stage to phase him or anything like that if he makes a mistake like he did on Sunday it didn't really affect the rest of the rest Absolutely. of the game yeah, yeah. 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 you got, got chucked into the, the City semi-final and you know just handled Aguero final afternoon well, actually Aguero did score but I wouldn't say, <laughs> I wouldn't say it was holding the fault but do you know what I mean I, I, would, I would be devastated if he didn't go on a run now in, in the team and, and play the FA Cup final to be honest because I, I was so disappointed that he didn't play at White Hart Lane and um, I'm sure Wenger probably realises that he made a mistake in not picking him for that game and another mistake that he made at White Hart Lane in my opinion, yeah. was that he played Olivier Giroud up front and he didn't play yeah. Danny Welbeck, yeah. who was, I thought, well, I thought he was great. Regardless of the goal, I thought he was. I thought he gave yeah. United defenders a torrid time and it, it frustrates me that Wenger didn't see the obvious opportunity to <clears> use him at Spurs because I think he could have given Alvareld and Vertonghen some real problems, taken them into areas they didn't want to go. I, I think he has to start for the rest of the season. I think anytime you're playing Man United, you have to start Danny Welbeck. That's just the law. <laughs> His record against it with three go- three goals and three games yeah. against now is, is and three celebrations. Yeah, absolutely. Let's not forget that. <laughs> that, that was that was brilliant because a, a one so man wrecking people. crew against the don't celebrate against your own team. They didn't want him. <laughs> Show them what they're missing. That, but he's, he's a proper Man United fan, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. brought up there. And- the Manics, the Manics are taking over Arsenal. We've got Welbeck up front. We've got <laughs> holding holding at the back. <laughs> Staley Bridge, born and bred, just outside. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, um, but yeah, I, you get the impression that if Wenger's going to stick with this three-four-three formation, that Giroud's going to have to head off somewhere else because he just doesn't make sense leading that line. He just doesn't have pace. Do it's, th- it's not that he doesn't have enough; he doesn't have any pace. Do you think it might alter Wenger's plans a little bit in the summer in, with regards to the type of players that he goes for? In that. There was there was quite a lot of attention on the right back position in that it looks as if Carl Jenkinson will go, it looks as if Matteo Debussy will go. They don't have Arsenal futures as far as I'm concerned, no. which leaves just Bellerin as a orthodox, an orthodox right back. But Oxlade Chamberlain has completely reinvented himself, and you must look at Bellerin at the moment and think he must have a little bit of an odd one out in the where do you put him? He, he, does he does he fit the right sided central defensive role? Should no, he play wide no. right and opt to be moved into the middle, considering Ramsey and Jacker how good they were? That, that would be my preference. Mm. Um, I think of, of all the right backs in the league, you would think that Bellerin would be the most suited to be a right wing back. Because his strength has always been going forward. It's never been the defensive aspect of his game. So it is a, it's a bit surprising to see him kind of fall back there. I don't know if it's a tactic by Wenger to kind of there's rumours that he's carrying an injury still, give him a bit more time to, to recover. Or if he's kind of just saying to him, 
look, I know Barca are interested in you, but you still have a long way to go. Don't let your head get turned just yet. Mm. I don't know. There's a million different things that could be going into it. Or maybe they've been doing it in training and he just isn't doing well enough. It's hard to say. We don't we don't know enough. But with regards to if we are going to go with this formation going forward, will it change the type of players Arsenal are after? It has to. I mean, you can't change from, you know the formation we were at to what we have now and expect the same players to work in the same positions it doesn't doesn't make sense which players in that 11 currently take the 11 from Sunday for instance yeah which players in that 11 do you think are at risk of losing their position Kieran Gibbs immediately what if him. he sticks in well, a 3-4-3 or just yeah. just generally well I don't think you can have Monreal as a centre back long term I'm surprised he's even there short term to be honest with you. I I thought if someone was going to drop out of that three for holding it'd be it'd be him and Gabriel would stay. So I think Gabriel's been quite good. Uh I think Mustafi returning will probably throw his fans to the works. I know Kishon is a doubt, yeah. isn't he, for, for tomorrow night. Yes. Um I don't know, I, I yeah, you're <coughs> right. Gibbs probably Gibbs will probably move on in the summer. Um you know, he's just, he's felt like part of the furniture for years now, hasn't he? But he's not really mm. pushed on. He's probably done a bit of a walk-up lunch, shall we say. But I don't know. Like, do you even think Wenger will stick with the three-four-three next season? Because I'm not totally convinced. I still think it was one of those panic moves. I know Impulse. a lot of been written about of it, written about it. But I just think the, the position where we were in the season and, and everything was like panic stations. I think he just had to do something there and then. And I think changing to a back three cent felt G- like the most natural well, thing. Given the success that they're having. I relative say, success. I say, I say success. Well, yeah. well, relative they're, success. They're, they're, like, I've not been impressed with the performances, but they are winning. Yeah, even, exactly. even though they're playing poorly, they are winning. And that's probably vindicating Wenger's decision. He's <coughs> probably thinking, well, I've got to stick with it now. Yeah, so why do you not think that he would stick going to next season? I, it just strikes me as weird. I, he's managed Arsenal for 20 years. He's played a back four the whole time. Even the beginning of this season, it suddenly changes... What with two months to go in the season till back three? Yeah, but but, but the game changes, football changes. It does, but then it's very unvenger-like. Do you know what I mean? He would to, 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 to adapt to adapt to formation mid-season without n- no preparation, n- not really having the oh. natural players to suit it because you know. Shift. Well, well, the the word is that they've been practicing it all season, and he has adapted his formation mid-season before. Just he hasn't changed the defense mid-season. Is that yeah? Like he's always played a back four. I know he's he's, he's changed from four four two to. Four two three one or whatever. But do you, do you think it's, though it's an opportunity it's for players like like Oxlade Chamberlain? For me, is the, yeah. pr- the prime example yeah. to say to Wenger, look, okay, <clears throat> there wasn't necessarily a natural fit for me in that previous system, but now I I'm your right wing back. Like for me, he he now looks like one of the players that you would say they have to nail down and keep this summer. There's obviously rumours that he might have gone to he might go to Liverpool. Um, to me, he looks like one of the players in this system that just just works. And if you if you think that if he did go back to a four, where does Chamberlain fit into yeah. that? Would that possibly send the message out about his future? I think it's great for him just because of his versatility. So the fact that he can play wing back in centre midfield, right wing, you know, so it's good for him. But I mean that cross for Danny Welbeck that yeah. that is the cross for yeah, me of a player that is high on confidence, that trusts his own ability that wants to get into those areas and make a contribution. He's not looked like that in the past because, for me, he's been harshly criticised by fans who have probably failed to see what he does off the ball, 
his hard work and determination. And for me, Chamberlain's always been one of those players that seems to be the player that will inadvertently deflect the ball into the path of a player or yeah. will try too hard when he comes on and play a 70-yard ball when he doesn't have to. Yeah. And it's felt like he's been almost like playing like he's fighting for his future, whereas now yeah. he's playing like he deserves and he belongs a play. I really like that team. Yeah, and I, I really like him. I, I think he's he's a really sort of intelligent player. You know, he, he knows what it means to play for Arsenal. You saw some of his interviews this season after big defeats and the, middle, he, the Middlesbrough interview. As yeah, well. he, he gets it. You know, he, and and um, he's just one of the players in the team at the moment who seems to be playing with a bit of confidence. And you know, I'd, I'd hate to lose him. I'd hate to lose him in the summer. And I think it'd be the fact that we've kept hold of him for so long now since he's been what 18, 17, 18, to lose him now when he's just about hitting some. Some yeah. form. I, I think he can be a very good player, but I, I'm not sure I'd agree that he's an intelligent player. Um, okay. <laughs> on the pitch, I, I meant sort of. No, mm. like, no, like off the pitch, he says all the right things. He's very, he's clearly a clever, clever guy. I just mean, in that one second where he has to make a decision, he quite often will. Like you said, yeah. the, he is the kind of guy who will, the deflections will go in off him yeah. and all of that. And that's unfortunate, but a lot of the time as well. He gives away the ball very needlessly, and yeah. like you said, he will try to play this massive ball because he he feels like he has to make a mark. Whereas a more intelligent player would say, "Oh, maybe I will just pass it side side five yards for a few seconds, draw someone in, and then well, create the space." The ball, yeah. Santi Cazorla, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah they... keeps going, God, keeps God going back I'm, to Santi. God, I miss him. Yeah. What a, what a man! What a man! But, but yeah, like 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 Kev says, like it wasn't the, it wasn't the. The perfect wing back performance of Mox, far from it, was it? Like the first half, I thought his positioning was a bit suspect because <laughs> they, they kept getting in down that right hand side, didn't they? So but they could have scored a few times. The flip but. side of that is Wenger's got, under the assumption that he stays, which I think it's looking fairly safe to say that will happen irrespective it would, of what It would happened. be very surprising if he waited this long to say he was going. Absolutely. But what, if I guess if you look on the flip side of kind of uncertainty of whether he'd keep this formation and keep the system he's got a whole summer to work with these players to the big problem for me is in the transfer market because to leave it this late to have absolute confirmation of his future players that they will be scouting targeting in talks with will have an element of doubt over whether to join Arsenal not only because they're not in the Champions League if that's a factor but also because Wenger's future has not been clarified so they're playing catch-up yet again in the transfer market. And it honestly wouldn't surprise me if we're looking at a lot of late deals, which to me makes it all the more imperative that he has a plan as soon as this season ends, heading forwards, what he wants from these players, what formation he's going to line them up in and how he gets the best out of these players. He's got a whole summer to work with them. He's got a whole summer to fine-tune this system, get each of those players that he's already got accustomed to it working on it on a day to day basis when was the last time you felt like Arsenal actually had a plan it's a very valid prepared I I would say 2012 when Podolski Cazorla and Giroud came in very early yeah Cazorla a bit later on yeah but there there was a clear kind of idea of what they wanted there and they brought in these players to help them play kind of a more specific style of play and everything and that seemed like the last time where they had really thought things through. Everything else, I know. I thought at the beginning of this season we we were 
prepared. Th- th- thought the beginning. Of, sorry, but you thought the beginning of this season <laughs> we had a plan. Well, no, I just thought you know <laughs> I looked at the, the incomings and I thought actually you know the squad looks pretty pretty complete now. You know he's strengthened in key areas like everyone wanted him to. He spent a bit of cash. Obviously bought in Mustafi, Shaka and yeah, he brought in Mustafi, he brought in Mustafi and Perez at the Perez. last second. Yeah, that was the frustration for me. I, I I do agree with you. I think it was one of the more promising summer transfer windows, but ultimately one of the right. most disappointing. No, I, I thought it was promising when we got Shaka, and I thought that that was going to be the first of a few arrivals. Then it wasn't. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think all most business should be done by the time the season starts. I think most Simple. business should be done by the end of June when everyone yeah. comes back for pre-season. Why can't they have a full and pre-season schedule? And I understand the Euros kind of hindered that. Um, no but, excuses this summer. But like you had last season, them going in for Vardy, like that doesn't that deal still doesn't make sense to me. The only way that that deal made any sense would be if this was going to be Wenger's last year. And they were trying to do a Van Persie on it. It was strange. It's, it's such an un-Wenger-like signing as well. This is all yeah, it didn't, didn't so smack of a, of a well thought out coherent really strategy. And he turned them down in the end. You know, it was. Oh. But if you thought last summer was chaotic, then. I think this could, <laughs> I mean, this could rival it. Just talking about the plan for the team and stuff, what about the manager himself? We don't even know if he's going to be there. Well, well what he I, said today. I was yeah. just about to come on to that as a. I can't yeah. believe we've already been speaking for 28 minutes, which is incredible, really. Um, we have to come on to the director of football comment, though. Obviously, there's been a lot of speculation about yeah. possibly Mark Overmars, Zork, um, potentially being someone that Arsenal want to bring into this new role that mm. if we are to believe, even Ivan Gazidis has kind of earmarked this role to kind of work with Wenger or alongside Wenger, under Wenger, above Wenger, however you want to interpret it. Wenger's comment this morning, which I'll read out now, was very interesting. So, the question was posed to him at the press conference this morning, which Charlie attended. Um, what, obviously, a lot of speculation about director of football arson prepared to comment on that. His reply I don't know what it means. Is it someone stood on the road and directing the players left and right? I don't understand. I never could understand what it means. Director of football. I think that's one of the most insulting, disingenuous, frustrating comments he could possibly have made in that situation. Wenger, <laughs> it's that's just sheer arrogance. And I have defended Wenger so much over the years, but that is just one of possibly the most arrogant answer he could have given in a season the first time that they're going to finish out the top four under him. It looks like, and to come out and basically say oh I, why would I need any extra help I know everything like he, he knows what a director of football is he, he knows what it is he, he's a smart man he will have looked at other clubs for, for inspiration of how to run Arsenal and he knows that what it is at the moment is that he's the director of football he knows that so for him to say that is he either thinks that the fans are too stupid to understand themselves or are, I actually don't even know. I just, I just love the fact that he compared the director of football to like a traffic warden. <laughs> that's the thing. Like it's so disingenuous. Mm. Yeah, that's what it's so dishonest. Is what it really annoys me. Is is that comment a direct result of the power that he has, the excessive power that he has, and I guess where where does this leave Wenger and Gazidis? It, it, right, right at the moment, it seems like the most fragmented 
boardroom situation you, you could ever oh, yeah. imagine I mean, to have. You can't doubt the fact that I think you took that opportunity just to make a message to the board at yeah. that, that precise moment. I think the question, you probably was expecting a question about it, but you know, I, I watched the press conference this morning and then up until that point, he was you know, he was joking around, he was, he was fine, but I think when that director of football question came, he was... Things just turned Yeah, I th- he went really went on the defensive and you can see from the video um, that he, he's, 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 it's a touchy subject for him. He really doesn't want to sort of relinquish any sort of control, does he, at the club? He's someone who you've always kind of been able to make the case that whatever Wenger is doing, whether you agree with it or not, he's trying to do it in the best interest of the club. That answer is not in the best interest of the club. That's the best interest of Arsene Wenger. The entire way that he played this situation. Like, he has got the, he's he, got the entire club held over a barrel at the moment for me. Like he, he's, he's made it impossible for him to coexist with the director of football. That's what that comment has done. Yeah, It's basically said, if you hire a director of football, you have to, you have to fire me because I'm not walking. You have mm. to sack me. He's, uh, he's, mean, he's really like gone yeah. all in. But, yeah. but still, that contract remains unsigned. Mm. There's, if to our if there is one. And then who knows if there is now because... Like Charles, I think Charles Watts has written a good piece on, on football.net today, isn't he? And basically saying, can Wenger coexist with Ivan Gazidis? But, but One maybe, of them's going to have to go at, at, at the moment. But, but maybe that's why he's not signed the contract. He's trying to get into it. A clause that says they can't hire a director of mm. football. Which Gazidis is presumably saying no. The you do this, what I say. Or... The longer this uncertainty reigns, it, it just creates... A, a sense of panic and, and, and gloom around the club. It's a mess. I mean, the, the assumption a, a few years ago was that Wenger would step down and take on the director of football role himself and help out whoever comes in. That, so, that cannot work now. No, it can't. And the idea was that, you know, the game's moved on, it's way more tactical than it was when Wenger first came in, but his ability to spot youngsters and kind of shape them a bit would serve him very well as a director of football, but maybe being... You know, a full-time manager is not for him anymore. Mm. He's really burnt that bridge now. He's really he's backed himself and the club into a corner. There've been so many weird little kind of hints and signs as well. I, I think his the the candor of his interview on Kylian Mbappe recently was really interesting. I've never ever heard Wenger speak that openly about a player that he admires. Never. Which to me yeah. felt like some kind of almost subliminal message, I guess, to saying, you know, I, I still have the power in terms of what I want from this club, who I want to buy for this club, I guess. There's been a lot of that this season. I just There's been a lot of like unusual Wenger behaviours. Behaviors, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, everything feels different this season. Just everything from the formation change to his quotes in press conferences. Well, the thing about this season... It- more than any other year, it's felt like he's not really interested in doing what's best for the club now. It seems like he's more interested in what's best for him. And I don't think that's that's something that I never expected. And he seems more interested in... Is it self-indulgence here? I don't know if it's self-indulgence or it's just after two decades of being the man in charge of such a big club, mm. it finally gets to you and you start to believe your own hype and everything. Maybe. And and he's got a, to. I've talked about this before, but like to be at that level of anything, uh, but particularly in like football management, dealing with all these like young players all the time, you've got to have a certain level of ego. Um, that's just part and parcel of the game. You have to, but you have to be able to balance that out with 
um, being humble enough to kind of accept criticism and see where you're going wrong. And it seems more and more like Wenger's losing touch with that part of himself. And he's kind of just giving into his ego because Arsenal aren't doing well, so the criticism is too hard. So he's gone the other way and convincing himself that he's actually brilliant. And it's kind of it's snowballing and you feel like it's all going to just go in flames at some point. I feel like he's always had this sort of unshakable belief that he is the no, best man for the job. He, he always has and you need yeah. that. But I think it's dripping over mm. from belief into egoism. Maybe, but I, I just don't. I think right now he still thinks he's and clearly he does that he thinks he's the best man to lead Arsenal forward, and that's you know if you were him, he, that's why he's saying give me a new contract because I want to continue on. That's that's it really, isn't it? I would love to carry on about this topic. <laughs> I think we could probably do a, a separate podcast on it, frankly. But yeah. just to round off very quickly, lads, ahead of tomorrow, yeah, um, sounds as if Kashani will miss out tomorrow. Um, what would be your back three in that case? Well, if Mustafi's fit. If he is to be a back three. Yeah, I mean, if if Mustafi's fit, then obviously I, I'd probably play Monreal, Mustafi and Holding. But if not, I'm sure he'll really? go. Yeah, well, I'm sure he'll go with Monreal, Gabriel and Holding. Would that mean Gibbs going on the left-hand side again? That, that's what, that's what I would one. do. He might, rest, he might rest Gibbs. I don't know. That, that's who who would, really knows what Wenger's going to do nowadays, to be honest. That's what I would do. I'd bring yeah. Gabriel in for Koscielny. Yeah. Because you don't want to... So you keep Gibbs left wing back. Yeah, you yeah. don't you don't want to disrupt things too much. Yeah. And Mustafi hasn't played in a while now. Yeah. And yeah, we don't even know if he's fit. Maybe. So, I was surprised, like I said, that Gabriel dropped out. I thought he's played well enough this year. Yeah. It feels like Gabriel getting dropped the weekend was sort of a mistake of... Was a bit of a punishment for his mistake at White Lane, I think, for the penalty. I don't know what, yeah. what you thought. He had a good game. He, prior yeah, to that. he did, but then it was a bit of a, bit of a brain fart, wasn't it? And he, Poor for the two yeah, goals, I thought. Exactly. So predictions. The thing that sometimes does that, he just punishes players for little moments in games. Yeah, so. but then he leaves other stuff going on. Punish. It doesn't oh, make yeah, any yeah. sense. So I nothing, not, nothing makes sense this season, does it? No predictions. I won't let you go. So what I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say. Two one Southampton. Gabbiadini is going to do it. I, I don't. I don't think Southampton can score at the moment. So I'm going to. I'm just going to go for a one 0 to Arsenal. I, th- I think you might be right. I think that's. I think we're going to nick it. It's going to be a nervy. I hope you're right. Yeah, because they've got absolutely nothing to play for. Nothing, and there's rumours of all their players having bust ups of pure. So I, th- I think the the, yeah. the key tomorrow. I think is... Gabbiadini's got a transfer to play for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the key tomorrow is just. Preventing, I mean, I cannot see that they will play the same that they did at Anfield. In that, I do not think they will at no. home no, they try and frustrate quite as much as they did yeah, they at won't. Anfield at the weekend, which will probably suit Arsenal. I don't see why they wouldn't, though, because you you know that that works against Arsenal, especially away from home. True, true. But I think the way that I think the pressure around Puel at the moment, I think Southampton fans will. Regardless of their position, I, I think there's almost an expectation. Sunday's point almost felt like it wasn't enough in some respects, and yet they've not conceded against one of the, a team that could finish in the top four. Let's hope not. Um, I, I think there's an expectation, a bizarre expectation amongst our Southampton fan base at the moment of just attack and see what happens. And I think if, if Southampton home fans particularly... They're not, they're not going to be able to quite express their frustrations in the same manner at Anfield. I think if the game isn't quite going their way, I think they will get very frustrated, the home fans. And Arsenal's away following will be great tomorrow night. It will be packed at the 
anyway. And I, I, I think, I mean, it's massive. For me, yeah, Arsenal I'm, have to win 12 points out of 12 to have any chance whatsoever of doing it. Yeah, yeah, and you have to look at the fact that we've got our worst away record in the league for 20-odd years. Yeah. So, And it's a, a ground where we've traditionally struggled. Yeah, this is true. But I'm keeping the optimism, Kev. Because just think of the cup game. I'm, I'm being the moany one today. <laughs> so let me have it. I just got back from holidays. I had a great time. The holiday so blues. I've got all this negative energy I didn't use over the weekend because I was having such a lovely time in Ireland. And on that lovely, <laughs> cheery note, Arsenal fans, we will we'll round off there. Thank you, Kev, for joining us after being refreshingly refreshed. Thank you so much. Brilliant. Thank you, Kevin. Cheers, Andy, for coming on too. Cheers. Um, Follow uh, at ArsenalFC underscore FL on Twitter for all the latest um, Arsenal news ahead of tomorrow's game. Big game for Arsenal. We'll have all the action live as always. Um, and uh, we'll also be back next week with another podcast. We're trying to get the, a bit of a run of these going now on a frequent basis. So if you do have any questions for us, um, if you get in touch with myself, Andy or Kev or Charlie, our Arsenal writer who, uh, who can't be with us today, um, get in touch with any of us four on Twitter and get in touch as I say with with the Twitter account and uh, we're also on Facebook too so do fire over your questions if there's anything that we can uh, address on the podcast thank you very much enjoy the game tomorrow night goodbye